0: Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the Dragon's Teddy Bear of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who regularly get bit by dragons but convince ourselves they're spider bites. My name is Sarah, and I am joined by my co-hosts, as always, BJ and Spencer. How are y'all doing? Doing fine, though.
1: I really, really hope if I'd been bitten by a dragon, I would remember it, because that would be something I'd want to treasure, <laughs> as my arm swells to twice its normal size and starts to turn green. Spencer, it probably happens some
2: morning when you're stumbling out, and you just put your sock down on some pavement, and we're confused.
1: It's fine. You know, I want to laugh at you and say it's obviously not true, but we both know it might be, so... Yeah, I can't really guarantee it didn't happen. I feel like he should be a little bit sheepish about that. Oh, God, it continues. Well, are...
0: we have a whole show here that is um, not related to goats at all. <laughs> um, but... All
1: right, by way of explanation, this just kind of tells what people are, we are to our audience. We had like an hour and a half goat pun battle by means of text midway through the workday today.
0: Not really. It had no relation to any of the stories we're talking about now or in the future. No, no. no. it was fun though. It was great. In this podcast, however, um, we have a couple of segments that we run through. We have a rapid fire recap. We have some word, well, I guess this is sort of related. We have some word related. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Amusements, yes. Pun related. Um analysis and then we have newbies notes given by spencer and um i award house points winners and losers of the chapter and then uh bj and spencer pester me with questions that i find beneath me
2: <laughs> you're very snipped this plan. episode
0: <laughs> <laughs> so are we ready for the recap i'm
1: excited for it I have okay i'm ready do you have a goal for yourself for this recap
0: so, I should be able to do it in two minutes. I try to get it, I, I always try to get it in two minutes, although there are some chapters I know I'm not going to make that, <laughs> make that goal. Right. Um, I did, I practiced, and I believe I'm right. We are in the chapter called Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback, which is a relatively short chapter, um, but particularly in the beginning of it, we get some interesting information.
1: Mm-hmm. We do. All right. And then talk-
0: there's a lot of action.
1: A lot of action, a lot of comedy, a lot of fun.
0: Yes. So, Spencer, are you ready with the timer? Timer's ready
1: to go. At your pleasure.
0: All right. So we have a few weeks that pass since our last chapter, and Quirrell seems to be holding strong on keeping his secrets. Hermione and the teacher seems to be presenting a united front on the subject of exam prep. And while in the library learning about Dittany, um, our fearsome trio run into Hagrid, who is looking quite shifty. When they tell him that they know that Fluffy is guarding the Philosopher's Stone, he demands that they come and see him in his hut. And it turns out that Hagrid has been in the dragon section of the library, but obviously he can't have one for a myriad of reasons. Except when they go to his hut, the curtains are drawn, the fire is built up, and it's blazing hot inside. Harry asks Hagrid about the stone and what's guarding it, to which he reluctantly admits that all the teachers, including Snape, have contributed an enchantment. Somewhat reassured... Uh, for whatever reason, Harry, Ron, and Hermione notice a rather large black egg in the fireplace and have some questions, like how a dragon is going to work in a tiny wooden hut, and it's illegal to have a dragon, and it's in a tiny wooden hut. Nevertheless, Hagrid calls them back when the Norwegian Ridgeback starts hatching. Hagrid is instantly smitten with Norbert. The problem is that Malfoy follows them and sees the dragon. After obsessing about what Malfoy will do and trying to console Hagrid, they finally think to send Norbert to Ron's brother Charlie in Romania, after Ron gets bit by Norbert. Hagrid agrees, owls are sent, Charlie agrees, and plans are made to take Norbert to the tallest tower at midnight on Saturday. Ron's hand has swollen so much he can't be a part of this operation, so he goes to the hospital wing, where Malfoy comes to mock him and, quote, borrow a book which he realizes too late had Charlie's letter about Norbert drop-off mission tucked inside it. Too late now, Harry and Hermione take a much larger Norbert in a crate, and he doesn't want to be in that crate. They take him up to the tower... Um, Under the invisibility cloak, during a harrowing journey, they almost get caught by Malfoy, who instead gets caught and given detention by McGonagall, but they meet Ron's friends and successfully get Norbert off in a harness between the brooms. They go back down, forgetting the invisibility cloak on the tower, and they run into Filch.
1: Sarah, I'm sorry, 2.15 just over the buzzer.
0: I had a couple of trip-ups there, but that's all right. We'll forgive you this Um, time. Thank you. So... Um, anything I missed?
1: No.
2: no, seems like you covered it pretty
1: well. Yep,
2: uh, we can end the episode. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, BJ, you got to participate in no. here. Um, so listen, BJ, I know you didn't like this chapter, but
2: it, it was it was fine. It was sort of like an ent- entertaining non sequitur, I guess is is very much where where I put this. Like I get that introducing dragons is entertaining and things like that. Um, I also like that there is a um, consistent through line of dragons being hatched in fire uh being sort of like a a fantasy trope that that she references um also sort of like it's a black egg again like another sort of fantasy trope that like dragon eggs are particular and very different from normal eggs Mm -hmm. um i think sort of the other thing that just that that i have trouble coming to terms with is how small is hagrid's hut um, cause I... So it's a one room hut.
1: It's one room, but Hagrid's pretty big.
2: Yeah. So, so that's kind of where I'm just like, uh, you know, meshing these two things together. And also I'm really amused. It's just like, well, you can't really have a high hut because it's made out of wood. Um, because that's somehow super problematic. Um, I understand that it's probably problematic if you have a fire breathing dragon, but that's sort of separate from their initial,
0: uh, quops. Um, I, is it? I, I think so. Because they, My understanding is that the only reason they're upset is that there is a fire-breathing dragon that is going to grow to be very large in a tiny wooden hut.
2: Oh, because I thought it was he had the fire raging in a small hut, which was their original, like, uh, what's going on. But anyway, um, so for, for a quick uh, couple of things about entertaining word things that are going on, um, there was a sentence early on that I found a very odd way for a narrator to talk about things. And for a preview of my pestering Sarah, I'm curious about the narrator in general, but we will hold that off. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot of alliteration with Snape was uh, sweeping about in his usual bad temper, which surely meant that the stone was still safe, um, okay. which is kind of an interesting like way to look at, like, how much information like the narrator has because the narrator sort of like in this weird place and also that the narrator is also very fond of alliteration, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, the thing that I found very entertaining um, was Ron, Ron complaining about uh, remembering things. So he's, they're all studying for an exam that's coming up and he says, I'll never remember this. And he throws down his quill and he's looking out the window and the sky was a clear forget-me-not blue, which is a very subtle, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember things for, for my exam, but the sky is, is a forget-me-not color, so maybe that'll help (laughs) me.
0: I appreciate that, BJ, in Mm. multiple, multiple Mm. readings, I have never picked up on that.
2: Um, And then the other thing that I do want to reference, and I I think that there were other things that I was desperately wanting to ask you about, um, and it drove it out of my mind, but the leg lock spell is basically... Uh, Oh, from last week. Yes, from last week, um, is basically dead leg. And I, like, for whatever reason, I meant to mention it and I forgot about it, and so I'm going to do it now.
0: The locomotor mortis? Yes.
2: So locomotor mortis so mortis Mm -hmm. presumably coming from you know the the latin uh just in general and so dead leg um so you're giving somebody a dead leg Mm -hmm. um and with that uh we'll turn it over to uh our newbie our noteworthy newbie
1: (laughs) thank you bj Uh, For me, uh, this chapter didn't involve much in the way of plot progression, kind of introduced it in the first couple pages, but from there it just focuses on fun and it does a good job of it. So i got a few things to talk about. First thing, I'm starting to detect a theme with British authors and naming dragons between uh, JK Rowling and Terry Pratchett, that with him coming out with Errol and her coming out with Norbert, I'm just going to rely on British authors to name dragons going forward because that just amuses me.
0: (laughs) They are the most British of all possible names.
1: Pretty much, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm now also convinced that not only is Hagrid using all small animals that he kills as part of his groundkeeping to make his clothing, that he now also eats them, given that he served them tea and stoat sandwiches when they came to visit his house to see the dragon egg. So, good to know that all the little tiny animals that are dying as the result of his uh, inherent work are going to good use. Um, let's see here. One issue I want to discuss is... This chapter kind of put it in my mind that maybe Ron's a bit of an idiot. That <laughs> between basically forgetting for a moment that his brother exists, and then also giving up the letter, there are several stages of this chapter where Ron tries pretty hard to mess everything up. Um, do we get more? I'm, I'm curious to see from you that between this chapter and several other ones, one of the m- main defining characteristics of getting at Ron is that. Maybe he's not necessarily an idiot, but he's pretty damn dense. And that seems like it comes into play a lot here. Uh... I feel like density versus just, like,
2: a rambunctious 12-year-old. Like, you're expecting a very uh, high standard for how organized and thoughtful a a 12-year-old is going to be. And that that, that may be a personal experience thing, but
1: it's not just an issue of personal experience it's an issue of framing because i've got three 12 year olds here to cite to and one of them's the one that keeps making these kind of mistakes
2: yeah but hermione is just well hermione um
1: and i feel like
2: harry makes plenty of mistakes he's just you know the uh main character in the hilariously unreliable narrator's story so
1: eh. do we believe that harry is in some way connected to the narrator here and some his missteps are being kind of covered over as a result of that
0: i think that we have a close person the close third person narrator here who is <laughs> mostly following harry although we get and i've actually mentioned them on this podcast before we get interesting moments in the course of a given narrative where our narrator is doing something else or following someone else um, so I don't know. it's a good question. It's in, we are in a third-person semi omniscient narrator, right. who closely follows Harry and does a couple of other things.
1: Okay.: <laughs> is, um.
2: is there a certain wizard that you could um,
0: what? <laughs> I don't know,
2: attribute this, uh, you know, certain weird
1: perseverations to?
0: i don't know bj there are options i suppose
1: okay, you guys are starting to use that tone again like this is a question that's eventually <laughs> going to be answered you just don't want me to know it yet no
0: i this this question is never answered Spencer. yeah i don't think it's ever stop answered messing with me <laughs> well
2: that would be no fun first of all I and know. second of all
0: why do you think we're doing this podcast no, Damn it all to hell! all right
1: moving on um I'm increasingly getting convinced that from the sheer number of things that Hagrid just comes across when he goes to the bar, that this is basically his equivalent of, I found it, it fell off a truck, which may indicate that he could be in the Mafia from the sheer number of things he's acquiring and presenting as, new thing I got, it was at the bar. Mm-hmm. We're raising certain numbers of questions from the sheer variety of things he acquires and brings from, you know, friggin' Cerberus to you now Dragon Eggs. This bar sounds like a wonderful place to spend a couple hours. Um,
0: um, we go to it at a di- in a different book.
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, <laughs> one thing that also struck me, just how invested I'm starting to get in this book, but the scene where we find Malfoy finally get a certain measure of confidence as he's being dragged through a <laughs> hallway by his ear by Professor McGonagall had me actually stand up and fist bump. That. <laughs> I was just so happy to see that little <laughs> shit finally get some measure of what he's dished out upon the world. I mean... He's only been in this story for, like, I mean, they haven't even finished a single school year yet. We're around about Easter, I think, at this point. But he's already starting to compete with the Dursleys for being the fucking worst. And that's just impressive. They had, like, ten years going into this before he did. So, a certain measure of punishment upon him is just lovely to see. And that is what I've got for right now. The book The chapter ends on one hell of a cliffhanger in terms of filch coming across them and i'll be curious to see what the repercussions are of that
0: yeah so next up we have house points for the chapter um and this is a this is a hard chapter for that we are on a roller coaster of who is up and who is down throughout the course of the chapter uh hagrid gets a dragon our fearsome trio finds out some information they Harry and Hermione think that they have gotten this sort of hijink off without a hitch. And uh, Ron gets bit by a dragon. It's all a little tricky, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that I think the the loser, the ultimate loser of this chapter, with just the information that we have now, is probably Malfoy.
1: Fair. Very fair.
0: He thought he was getting one over on everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. He was, even b- um,
1: he was even biding his time to make it even more powerful when he chose to pull his card.
0: Yes. And it, it, it is a resounding failure in the moment that he expects this to be a thing. Um, the winner is a little bit more difficult given the cliffhanger that you mentioned, Spencer. Um, and our knowledge that Harry and Hermione have been caught by Filch.
2: I feel like this is a lose-lose situation, just how big the loss is.
1: I mean, this is a guy that seems like he would really adore corporal punishment if it was still allowed. Is it still allowed at this school
0: in any way? No, it's not. But he frequently, and at great volumes, laments the idea that it is not.
1: All right. Okay, well... At least there's at least there's the higher threshold of what they can be punished with, but based on the sheer number of points that McGonagall's throwing around there when she punished Malfoy, they could be in the ringer.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm going to do a little spoiler, Spencer. It's not good. Oh,
1: dear. I mean, they. Points seem, Unlike Whose Lines Anyway, the points seem to matter in terms of this show, and they're like, in close competition with um, uh, Malfoy's house, uh, Slytherin, Slytherin, right now. Mm hmm. Uh, for the house cup, I think it's
0: called. Mm -hmm.
1: So, like, any points they lose right now could be a big deal.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think that in terms of my house points, Harry and Hermione have had some big wins. Um, But I think that we get enough evidence at the end of this chapter that they are not going to come out on top. Uh -uh. I don't think it's an entirely sort of in-the-future thing. Like, they are actively in the shit at the end of this chapter. Um... I would say that Hagrid had won because he got the dragon that he always wanted, but that dragon was very quickly taken away from him, which seems to sort of undercut the house points that he might have gotten in this situation. I think the person that comes out most strongly with wins against losses
1: is Filch. Yeah. It's like the only it's only five, it's only six chap six characters in this entire chapter. So who's it going to be at this point? Yeah, I think filch. it's going
0: to be Filch. I mean, he at the end of the chapter, we only see him at the end of the chapter. But at the end of the chapter, he is going to be able to punish students in some way. Well,
2: so I would argue that the hands down winner of this chapter is Charlie.
0: Oh, Charlie does. Yeah, Charlie gets awesome out of everything and gets a new Yeah, he is uh, like yeah. an
2: awesome new research specimen. He gets to try and introduce it into the wild. <laughs> he sweeps in with a bunch of awesome friends, wows all his younger brother's friends with how like amazing and cool he is, and then just goes, and I don't have to deal with any of the stupid Hogwarts crap like like Filch. I'm out. <laughs> he, he, spoken,
0: he, spoken like a true scientist, BJ. <laughs> he
1: he is... <isn't- laughs> I would agree, but he's nowhere near involved enough, I think, to even be in the running. I think you have to have a minimum amount of page participation to even get even get considered.
0: Potentially you have to, like, bodily show up in this <laughs> chapter.
1: Fair point, yes.
0: Um, so I am going to give it to Filch. I
1: mean, he's, he's even got a good line here at the end. That's a pretty intimidating line of, well, 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 we are in trouble. I, I did, that's a good line if you want it for, for uh, Filch to spring on them right then.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think... I think we've got it. I think we have Loser Malfoy, Winner Filch, um, two people that we objectively do not like in this narrative, um, but that's the way it is.
2: Okay. So, what PJ? house is Filch in?
0: So Filch has never been in the house because he is a Oh,
2: All right. He can't practice magic. Ah, yes, that's right.
0: right so he has never he's never attended to Hogwarts. He's just which, the
2: worst. Okay.
0: Yeah, which he's just the worst. Which I, I have some. I mean, he's he's. Terrible, But I have a little bit of sympathy that he is the caretaker of this castle full of children who are, like, just bubbling over with magical ability. Mm -hmm. When he should have had some magical ability. I get how you can be a little bitter. Um, He's still fucking terrible.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's, like, putting the uh, senator who tried to pass all the anti- mutant laws and x-men as like you know the the school resource officer at at the uh (laughs) xavier school for the gifted and it's just like i mean sure i he like i guess he has reason to be cranky about it
1: but like
0: they're probably better chosen a different career path yeah
1: (laughs) um i mean question about squibs if i remember this correctly mm Squib Uh, is not just a person that doesn't have magic they're a person who's born into a magical family that himself does not have magic which makes it all the more the worse too because Mm -hmm. now it's got the same mindset of um, the what's 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 the aunt Dursley's name again do we know her turn, Mrs. Petunia? Dursley, sure. Right. Oh, Petunia. Petunia, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's got her kind of begrudging resentment against her sister that, you know, she's got exposed to the magic world through family and has been denied it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and at, at least Petunia's was just a one-off. It's not like she has come from
1: yeah, lived a word. family
0: that themselves are magic. Yeah.
1: Do we ever find about Filch's family or their history about what house they could be affiliated with or what connections they had to the university?
0: He's no, we on only learn kids. about Filch. <laughs>
2: What'd you say, BJ? He's slithering through and through. It's fine.
1: <laughs> you know, maybe it's just a different insight into a certain house. Bitterness could could fall into all of our hearts. But Fair BJ, enough. do we have a variety of questions, questions to grill Sarah with to try to take um, away from her enjoyment of the text? I, I always do. I know you do.
2: Um, so, I, so before we do that, I feel like. I, I doubt my mother will ever listen to to this podcast, but if she does, I, I feel like I have to apologize because when I was this age, I was terrible about keeping jackets, like bring, bringing them to school. Like she would put me in a jacket because it was cold going to school and then they would, I mean, not disappear per se, cause they would be at school, but like at the end of the year, there'd be like six jackets in my locker. And mm-hmm. and so I, before I talk about how crazy it is for them to have left the Cloak of Invisibility, I have to own up to my own uh, foibles and say that that very often I would leave jackets all over the place. And I have since got much better about taking care of, of my jackets in general. But there was a period of time that, that lined up with this, uh, the age of the, the main characters that I wasn't great about keeping jackets on and wearing them appropriately.
1: And it's also possible you hadn't done many dragon handoffs from the top of the tower to people flying on brooms going to Romania. It's a certain yeah. element of distraction that yeah, yeah. probably comes Fair into enough. play
2: then. But still, one of Nicks. the most powerful magic items that we are introduced to, and we are sort of told that this is a very important magical item that is the sole heirloom that Harry has from his father. And he just kind of leaves it. No, oh, yeah.
1: Particularly when they just saw Professor McGonagall walking around in a tartan bathrobe and hairnet, the professors are on patrol and catching people right now.
2: Spencer, are you having um some interesting visions of Professor McGonagall? Because I did not pick <laughs> up on her particular outfit in this point. but what, it, I think it, it, it's very clear
0: what her particular outfit
1: is. What, what just strikes me as really weird is in what context was she walking the halls that Malfoy ran into her? Did he, like, accidentally stumble into her room? I mean, Does she reside was, at the
2: top of this tower? There was a stolen kiss from uh, Hagrid earlier in, in the chat? Oh, at the Christmas. Video.
0: At the Christmas feast.
2: So, I mean... <laughs>
0: Professor McGonagall. Where are we going with this? <laughs> I don't know.
2: I mean, you know, keep it within Gryffindor. It's fine. <laughs> Did you have a question in here, B.J.? Well, yes. I mean, the, the, the question was like, I get that sort of, but like, how do you justify, you know, just leaving the, the cloak of invisibility and like they were essentially wearing it and then it's gone. Like, I, I know that it has to be that way for the next chapter to happen, but it still seems a little fishy.
0: So, I mean. I feel like this is a question that is not really in it's, good faith. It's not in good faith because and it's the, <laughs> not
2: answerable and it's fine. I just I because feel like the I have only to bring answer it up.
0: is that like it just no happened. of course they shouldn't have done that. Right. And of course it doesn't make sense. And I suppose that you can try to explain it away in some sort of like well they're 12.
2: Yeah. Um, but it's still tough to do that.
0: And, and but bra- it's still an idiotic thing to do. It mm-hmm. is simply a plot device that has happened. Yeah,
2: and it's like I guess it would make a lot more sense if it was Harry and Ron, but
0: oh yeah, no Ron could have orchestrated yeah some sort of nonsense. Um, but Hermione
2: exactly. So I guess my my real question for for just this part, and I guess I have a couple, which is one like uh, the, the the main one, and you sort of already answered it, is like who's the narrator?
0: Yeah, I I mean.
2: I guess the best because I haven't read read through the entire series, I feel like my best mm-hmm. guess is a bit of a spoiler. So I'm not going to to uh I'm just going to tease Spencer with somebody that would have a, an obvious interest in Harry and be following him in his career and <laughs> no other things that are going on.
0: So I think that that is that is maybe a fair guess. I will And that survives s- book
2: 4 or whatever. <laughs>
0: I will, I will undercut this a little bit by simply saying that we, we never, we never know. Right. Um, but we, it is a, it is, like I said, it's a third person sort of close omniscient narrator because we do get these moments of being, of following people who are not Harry. Yeah. Um, right. So most of the time we are essentially following Harry. But there are a couple of moments within the meat of novels, Mm -hmm. such as, and I think I mentioned this in a previous pod, but when we are at that first Quidditch match, it's actually a little weird that we ratchet back and forth between Harry on his broom, kind of trying to be bucked off by some sort of curse, and Hermione and Rod. That's actually a very weird moment, Mm -hmm. that that goes back and forth, because we don't get a lot of that. In other novels, that feels like actually a very first novel in the series thing to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What we do, what we do get is frequently the first chapter or a couple of chapters of novels, including this first one, are told from a slightly different perspective mm-hmm. that is not focused on Harry.
2: Gotcha. Sort of like and a so a we get into the...
0: yes, we get some sort of information around what is going on in the plot. Or something that we need to know around some other character that we simply could not get if we were following Harry. So I have a mm-hmm. theory. Okay.
2: Um, I'm pretty sure I know who the narrator is. Okay. Um, it's Tyrion um, because he he, <laughs> knows, he knows a bunch of history. He knows sort of like what, what went on. Um, he gets a little bit of obsessive about certain people. Um, and he drinks and he knows things. So, you know, semi-omniscient, like, knows a lot of stuff that's going on,
1: is a little bit erratic, and, and that's who it is. You know, I I wouldn't have bought that, but now we've got a chapter about a dragon, and Tyrion likes dragons. You know, works for He does like
0: dragons. (laughs) Maybe this was his background research.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This chapter right here was the justification for writing the whole thing. Didn't really care about the rest, but this (laughs) dragon chapter was making it all worthwhile. Um, Spencer. All right. Uh, question of how the laws of this universe work because we get it clearly set out that owning a dragon is illegal uh yes. is that a unique to britain thing is charlie essentially moving the dragon to a country where it's pr- legal for this to occur or is he essentially illegally smuggling it across l- lines in violation of international law so a is lot there... like
2: florida and most of the rest of where the civilized you country there
1: are certain laws
2: as to like Pets that you can have, <laughs> things that you can raise in your house, and then mm-hmm. there's some gray areas. But
0: so I feel I feel it incumbent um, to my husband at this moment to tell you that we found out this week that we thought I say we Terry thought that um, it was only in Florida that you could own apes as pets. Mm-hmm. That is not true. You can do that in North Carolina as well. <laughs>
2: So, I have a follow up question-hmm Are there any upcoming additions to your households in terms of
0: absolutely fucking not <laughs> <laughs> i so it, this said uh, to his credit, Terry is very interested in apes
2: but but not but he understands Patia. what
0: apes are right, mm, right. <laughs> this is one of wild his main animals things yes, um wild animals that in many cases, particularly for chimpanzees, are really really aggressive oh yeah Mm -hmm. very
1: aggressive very strong and prone to sudden swings of emotion things you don't want in a roommate
0: no it is this is uh, apparently what michael jackson found out so we will not be doing (laughs) any said thing so not unlike Um, the dragon that we had not unlike the dragon that we have yes um
1: to restate my question yes is the Ministry of Magic that we hear about a monolithic entity that has some degree of influence over a varieties of the magical world, extending mm-hmm. outside Britain? It's in the or does UK. each country have its own Ministry of Magic and the laws that it sets govern only its own borders? Is owning a dragon illegal throughout the magical world or just in Britain, at least relative to them?
0: Sure. Um, so each country has its own version of the Ministry of Magic mm-hmm. to some extent or other. I think we never get a direct answer to whether across the globe it is verboten to own a dragon as a pet. Um, We don't necessarily have that answer. The impression that we get from both kind of this chapter as well as a couple of other incidents that happen is that it is widely accepted that dragons are not pets. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there might be exceptions to that. I have absolutely no idea. My understanding of what is going on with Charlie in Romania is that there simply happen to be large populations of wild dragons in Romania for reasons that are left unexplained. But I do think that the process of getting Norbert to Romania is illegal in the transporting of a dragon across borders.
2: Yeah, it's kind of... I I, assume, I don't think
0: you are supposed to do that.
2: Yeah, I assume it's kind of like a... You find out somebody has, like, a tiger cub, and it's just mm-hmm. like, well, if we go through proper channels, it's going to end up in a zoo. Right. But, you know, my buddy is a researcher in Asia or Africa and, like, could potentially... Well, Asia. Um reintroduce this cub to the wild or whatever rather Mm -hmm. than but we'd have to smuggle him
0: i think i think that's right um i think that's right bj but it is interesting because we learn later on we learn about a couple of other different breeds of dragons and so it seems that there are dragons that are native to britain that still exist in some wild corners of britain
1: which, according to Ron, the Ministry of Magic just goes around and consistently wipes the memories of muggles out there that happen to notice them.
0: Yeah, I mean, they can't do much about the dragons, necessarily. It's much easier to deal with the muggles.
1: Again, the comparisons between the Ministry of Magic and the Men in Black is getting extensive. This, their use of this memory loss spell must be a really constant thing.
0: Um, it's called Obliviate, Spencer.
1: Obliviate?
0: Okay. Obliviate, yes.
1: Keep track of that one.
2: So is there ever a conversation of, have you ever obliviated me? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Um, (laughs) anyway, um, and other questions, other questions. Yeah. Um, so I, I think my biggest other question is sort of, uh, how, how regular is, um, Filch finding uh nefarious plots going on with you know people wandering the hulls.
0: yeah i um because
2: that seems like the worst i think it's
0: pretty extensive
2: okay this seems like the worst night watchman kind of job
0: mm-hmm. the only reason that i th- that i say that i think it's pretty extensive other than filch's sort of glee at the prospect mm-hmm. is that fred and george weasley exist
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah but did they get caught Yes, oh, did they <laughs> we, it's something we find out later um,
0: so we learn in the second book, um, and this is this is not a spoiler at all. It just happens to be a detail that we get in the course of something else happening um, that in filch's office he has file cabinets with files on all of the students that he has a
2: permanent record
0: apprehended in some in some form or fashion. uh Fred and George Weasley have an entire Filing cabinet drawer to themselves. Damn. This is their their raison (laughs) d'être.
1: I would have thought they were a bit better at stinking the halls, or perhaps I had underestimated Filch's ability to catch them. Or um, I think their
0: volume is just so high, yeah, that
1: (laughs) sheer number of opportunities to catch them. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh.
0: Uh,
1: His cat also seems like she might have some ability to help him too. But Mrs. Norris, is that right? Mm hmm.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, and as we talked about a couple of episodes ago, it's unclear kind of what she is and what their relationship is, but she seems to have some sort of sixth sense about where trouble might be happening.
1: Hmm. Well, last question for me. I'm moving from mm-hmm. dragons to the next fascinating topic. Uh, yearly exams. Mm-hmm. It seems like the students didn't have to take any kind of entrance exam to be admitted into Hogwarts. Is that, do I have that right? Correct, yes. We certainly didn't see a Harry take one. Mm-hmm. But we hear now from Ronnie that they, at the end of their first year, need to do well enough on this exam to continue at the university. Mm-hmm. It, um, is that how it works each year, that if you fail to pass the exam, you're out? Or do we, are we aware of there any kind of you know, grace period or summer school by which the system doesn't appear as axiomatic as it sounds?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. We don't ever see anyone within the confines of the novels who has failed the exams. To kind of get a resolution to that question. Mm-hmm. Um.
1: So, so it, it sounds like a really, really, you know, painful process. If that, if that, if that's the kind of scenario where you're exposed to a world of magic. This is your gateway to this incredible community, and then the event mm-hmm. you fail one of your exams, you are cut off forever.
0: Yeah, that we don't ever get any evidence that that is actually the case.
1: It sounded like Hermione's paranoia at
0: play that's probably that yeah that's probably fair there we do reach a point um, and this is a very kind of European system we do reach a point I think in the doesn't matter it's either in the fourth or fifth book oh it must be in the fourth book where the year before they have kind of they have taken their exams Well, so eventually, I'm sorry. Eventually, they take their ordinary wizarding level exams. their OWLs, or OWLs, (sighs) if you will. Oh, Lord. um, Which are exams that determine the level of classes in certain subjects that you can take going forward, which determines what kind of jobs you are qualified for. Or it's just a flight of fancy. (laughs) (sighs) Well, eventually, you take the national... nastily exhausting wizard trials, tests, trials, which are the newts. Um, so you do, have, you do have these sort of exam based markers in your career, but really the final exams that we get, especially in these first years are just final exams.
1: Okay.
2: So a lot more so you like med like, school. i guess we're so so like if you if you fail classes consistently eventually they'll kick you out but like Mm -hmm. you have to try
0: Mm -hmm. but you you might like retake a class or yeah get put into something different or whatever it is you're not hermione is very much exaggerating here you are not going to get kicked out of hogwarts for failing some sort of exam
1: gotcha also somewhere to law school where there is so much of a curve that everyone just ends up with the average grade. Instead of fail, you basically <laughs> need to write a different name on your test and just turn it in blank. Pretty much anything you do, you'll get, so- you'll get something resembling a passing grade just because everything is brought to the average.
0: Well, that makes me feel good.
1: Hmm. Well, any, any further questions from you, BJ? Uh,
0: I
2: think that's it for, for this episode.
0: Alright. Um, well, next week, I will say... Uh, we have a doozy of a chapter.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting towards towards the end, so...
0: It is it is ramping up now. So next week we have the Forbidden Forest, which I don't think any part of this chapter can be accused of being any sort of non sequitur towards anything.
2: Yes. <laughs> um, I'm also amused by the uh, picture in the chapter, which seems yeah, like a... Comment on that. ...a centaur that doesn't really care about much. <laughs>
1: It's a shrugging centaur, it looks like. I
0: like I like hearing about your descriptions of the pictures for these chapters, because my book does not have pictures in the front of the chapters. Are you,
1: you're actually still reading the original one that you got back when you were, you know, a tiny child, right?
0: Yes, yes. I am still very much um, in the British edition of the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Um, and it is also the paperback edition of such and it does not have any pictures so
1: you, you've got all proper original words and all the extra U's when you're reading it
0: indeed it takes me factors longer to read these <laughs> chapters <laughs>
1: um, so the
2: the one thing that I will mention just because I feel like I should is the, um, and I sent you the, the picture um, somehow the centaur is not moving at all but its tail is up like it's moving very quickly and so there's this just like I don't really know what's going on.
0: (laughs) Perfect. All right. Well, until next time, y'all.
2: Have a good one.